Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Inflation, real inflation, where prices jump and spending is pummeled, is not something that businesses in the United States have had to deal with in decades. It brings up questions about profitability, access to credit, and access to markets. For financial executives, it also brings up questions of how to tell the story of inflation on the balance sheets and income statements of corporate America. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Elizabeth Gordon, professor and chair of the Department of Accounting at the Fox School of Business at Temple University in Philadelphia. Before teaching, Dr. Gordon worked at PwC and interned at the White House Office of Management and Budget, and she has written extensively on the unique challenges of inflation accounting. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Um, obviously, inflation and inflation, and the, uh, the impact of inflation on the markets is something a lot of people are talking about today. So, but, you know, there's not a lot of discussion about, um, you know, what's happening on, on the accounting side or on the preparer side. So, you know, given that there's a lot of discussion around inflation in the markets right now, are you seeing the sort of same, in, you know, discussions around in, around inflation in the accounting circles? Yeah, no, that, that's a, it's a great uh, question. Um, if it's okay, can I start sure. with a little bit of maybe background or insight as to why uh, inflation sure. would be of interest? Um, or why it should, um, because you know inflation, right? Especially high and persistent inflation, it poses a fundamental problem of income measurement uh, and valuation. Right? Um, the problem arises due to the violation of a basic assumption in accounting: the assumption of a stable unit of right. account. Right? In the U.S., right? This is the U.S. dollar. The unit of account is the U.S. dollar. And when inflation exists, incomes measured that's measured under historical cost accounting. Um, includes both changes in real wealth during period and changes in the nominal value of money. Um, and historical cost accounting fails to, to match the revenues, which are, usually are measured with real value of resources, against um, the, the real value of mm. the resources used. Um, and that's because historical cost accounting usually measures resources that make up cost of goods sold at, at older costs, right? Um, and because of this kind of mismatch, um, the evaluation of a company's profitability and comparison across companies becomes yeah. really difficult. Um, so, in, and so recently there's been a lot of interest in inflation and the effects of inflation, as you said, not so much interest in the mm -hmm. accounting per se. Um, and, you know, inflation has been higher in the U.S. and it's been a been a long time since it was was high and there was a lot of discussion about right. inflation accounting. But even at at low levels, um, the basic assumption of a stable monetary unit of account is mm. violated, right? And accountants know that you know, financial statement preparers and users know that, but the effects aren't usually so so great to, right. to be of a concern. Yeah. Yep. So it was like decades ago um, in the 1970s, right? right? Um, when inflation was last really high in the U.S., um, even the double digits, in fact, 
And that's when uh, inflation economy was hotly debated. Yeah, I, that's something I did notice when doing the background for for this episode, that there was <laughs> there was an incredible amount of written about um, inflation and accounting, you know, during the 70s and 80s. And then they just sort of dropped off. And, um, you know, you, obviously you see some research come up, especially I saw some research come out of, you know, Europe and obviously with European economies going through inflation. So there's some, you know, discussion about it there. But in, in terms of the United States, if I understand it correctly, standard setters put in place accounting rules around inflation. When we discussed it in, in that period when there was a good amount in the 70s and 80s, do those rules make sense today or, or are they really limited to hyperinflationary environments? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that was in the 70s um, you know, when inflation was high. Yeah, I could maybe talk a little bit about inflation sure. accounting in general to help put it into some perspective. So in, in, inflation accounting falls into like a general category of accounting for changing prices. And one approach to consider in accounting for is, is, is accounting for the general change or the general change in prices or um, general mm -hmm. price level accounting. Um, now, under this approach, all assets and liabilities are remeasured to current prices. They're adjusted for inflation. Um, so everything in the financial statements would be remeasured, but for general prices. Now, another approach or an, maybe an addition to general price level accounting is current cost accounting. And this is where non-monetary assets and liabilities, like such as inventory or equipment, are further adjusted for changes in their specific value. Um, is more of a background under both approaches, it's important to separate out monetary assets and monetary liabilities. Um, and those are assets and liabilities which can be readily converted into, into cash or some kind of precisely determinable amount right. of money, right? Such as cash in the bank or, or account receivable or bank loan. Um, and separating out those monetary assets and liabilities from non-monetary assets and liabilities, which cannot be easily converted in, into cash, right? and that's such as like inventories or equipment. And why that's important is because the value of those monetary assets and liabilities is based on money, yeah. right? Um, so the, the value of these is meant is in today's prices already. Um, so as an example, if you have $1,000 in the bank account today, that's $1,000 in today's value. For a bank loan of $100,000 is valued at $100,000. Um, it's these monetary assets and liabilities that give rise to purchasing power, gains, or losses. So if inflation was 10% this year and you have $100 in the bank today, and you have the same $100 in the bank at the beginning of the year, you're worse off because you can buy 10% less with right. that $100 and you could buy at the beginning of the year, right? And so you have a purchasing power loss. It's also called a monetary loss. Now, in in full-blown financial statements adjusted for uh, inflation, for general price level changes. You'd report the $100 is cash in the bank today, because that's the amount you have right. in the bank. <laughs> that's, that's the value, right? And to capture the effects of inflation, though, you'd go back and remeasure that beginning amount to like $110. Okay? And the decrease of $10 is that purchasing power loss. And in full-blown inflation accounting, that would show up on the income statement as a 
is, mm. is a monetary loss. Um, for these non-monetary assets and liabilities like inventory or equipment, you'd also adjust those for changes in inflation. And so they'd be remeasured into current prices today, as would like cost of goods sold or expenses related to the inventory or long-lived assets. Um, now the accounting in the US, um, it really never required making any of these kinds of adjustments to the reported mm -hmm. financial statements. Um, rather, certain key performance measures and measures of financial position were required to be reported in the notes for the financial statements. And this was under um, Statement of Financial Accounting Position Number 33, called Financial Reporting and Changing Prices, that was issued by the FASB in 1979. Um, if some of the key performance measures would be um, income from continuing operations adjusted for the effects of general inflation, um, purchasing power gains or losses on net monetary items would be reported, um, income from continuing operations on a current cost basis, uh, current amounts of inventory and property, plant and equipment at the end of the year. Those are just a few of the, the required disclosures under um, that statement. Um, so interestingly, however, um, when the high levels of inflation in the U.S. Right. abated, the FASB no longer required these disclosures. So that statement was superseded by a new accounting statement, Statement of Financial Accounting Standards Number 89, Financial Reporting and Changing Prices, that was issued by the FASB in 1986. Um, and, and that statement made those same disclosures hmm. voluntary. So once SFAS 89 went into effect, companies basically stopped reporting any in, in inflation-adjusted measures. Right? Um, they viewed it as you know, costs were weighing the benefits. The disclosure was expensive to, um, to prepare. Uh, financial statement users didn't find the information as useful when, when inflation was low. So, um, so those, that option to provide additional disclosures on the effects of inflation is still available to companies today. Right? They can report those measures in the notes of the financial statements um, if they choose to do so. Um, and you can find that guidance in the current accounting standards codification under topic 255, changing prices. Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes. Do you think there's uh, any scenario where financial preparers would want to 
um, voluntarily go for that option? Or do you mean, and if so, when would that start showing up in the financial statements? I, it would be hard to, to, to find a scenario where companies would want to report that because the, it, it's costly to get to prepare the information. Um, it's costly to explain the differences between the historical cost and inflation adjusted numbers. Um, for, for users, it's costly to interpret and understand that difference. Um, unless inflation was really high and persistent, I wouldn't foresee companies wanting to voluntarily provide that disclosure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so just thinking about it, um, you know, inflation has so many knock-on effects and, you know, mm-hmm. rather than have something in the financial statement where, you know, it, it, it's an official description of, you know, inflation's effects, it, it shows up in different parts, including foreign exchange. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of impacts in capital markets and foreign, foreign exchange when it comes to inflation. Um, is that something that preparers should be focused on going forward? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great question. And it's the answer is going to depend on the company, right? Um, let's think about first the purchasing power of gains or losses that arise from these non-monetary assets and liabilities. You know, companies with large cash positions will experience purchasing mm-hmm. power losses because they the, the cash can buy less today than it could a year ago when there's inflation. Um, on, on the other hand, those companies that have debt at fixed prices are going to experience purchasing power gains. It, the debt's going to be cheaper to pay off. Um, to look at a company's net monetary position to understand those types of purchasing power gains or losses. Now, in um, you know, companies with high amounts of long-lived assets and depreciation, uh, with inflation, we can anticipate inflationary gains because depreciation expense is based on historical right. cost. Right? And the, so the replacement cost of in the, the long-lived assets is going to be higher. Right? Uh, so any, there, there might be some inflationary profits that are illusionary um, because the company is going to have to, of course, reinvest in 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 their long-lived assets to continue um, operating and, and, and continue their performance. A similar kind of effect for, for inventory, right? So in companies that might use FIFO as a cost flow assumption, and we can expect, we can also expect inflationary gains at times of rising prices um, because inventory is valued at lower costs, right? So as prices are rising, those gains are based on older prices, not prices of resources currently that would be needed to replace the inventory. So those are a couple of places to look. Um, Another aspect to consider is that most companies are reluctant to raise prices in this Mm. environment um, and will raise prices when or or because their their cost of goods has increased, Um, cost like raw materials. Um, So with costs increasing, uh, margins are gonna be lower until companies decide they, on that price uh, price increase. Um, and when we think about foreign exchange, right, we know that um, inflation, changes in interest rates, changes in exchange rates, they're all highly right. correlated. Right? Um, and inflation is likely to have um, 
a negative effect right, rather than a positive effect on currency's value and the foreign, foreign exchange rate. Um, so um, a low, in, low rate of inflation doesn't guarantee a favorable exchange rate, but high rates of inflation or extremely high rates of inflation can impact the country's exchange rates negatively. Um, and think about it for a U.S. company uh, with inflation, if the, the effect on the exchange rate is also going to depend on, on the company and its operations. Um, the company acquires materials from outside of the U.S., um, it, those materials become more expensive, right? So costs will increase. Right. On the opposite hand, if a company you know, sells goods overseas, those goods become more attractive with the change in the exchange rate so that, that those companies can benefit from um, change, exchange rate changes that may be related to inflation. What about um, at the industry level? Um, I mean, I, I hear a lot of you, you know, what you're saying about you're, you're referencing a lot of real goods and, and um, you know, certainly the U.S. economy has um, drastically changed since the 70s and 80s. We're moving from a service yeah. economy, you know, from a manufacturing economy. Um, wh- wh- does that bring up other issues in terms of inflation accounting? I mean, you're you're dealing a lot more service-oriented companies right now. What kind of impact does that have? The impacts would be similar in in, in the sense of looking at in the revenues and that the revenues are coming in at the real value, mm. at, at the current costs. And, and then any costs associated with those, maybe, maybe it's a cost of, of people, right? Cost of your employees. Um, are you keeping up your employee, are you keeping up with inflation and paying your employees, mm. right? Um, or will you have to increase their wages and their salaries to keep up? Um, and, you know, kind of looking at that, you know what's what's driving the costs, and if those costs are also changing along with their change in the revenue. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I sort of want to sort of summarize it, but you know, trying to get an idea about what the next steps are. But I don't think anybody really knows what the next step. No, nobody knows what that's going to happen in inflation. But one thing's for sure is that um, you know, as we discussed, it's been a couple generations since inflation has been a thing you know, that financial professionals have had to deal with. Do you think there's enough understanding out there of the unique challenges of accounting and finance in an inflationary environment where it can be managed appropriately? Um, so um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So it, it's interesting because we have a very U.S. view. Um, now, some, some countries have experienced high inflation in certain periods and and to change and the ways of business change along with the accounting. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, some countries uh, you, in relatively recent past have um, um, used full-blown inflation accounting, um, reporting the inflation adjusted amounts in the financial statements. Um, you know, companies, countries like Mexico or Israel or Turkey mm-hmm. or Zimbabwe. You know, so there are well-developed accounting standards out there um, for inflation accounting. Um, and even though we don't have them in the U.S., international accounting standards right. um, require companies to use inflation accounting 
when they report in a hyperinflationary economy. And that standard is IAS 29, um, financial reporting in hyperinflationary economies. <laughs> uh, now, where we do see a, a type of inflation accounting in the U.S. It is with the consolidation of non-U.S. subsidiaries operating in high inflation mm. environments, high inflation economies. Um, and for those subsidiaries in highly inflationary economies, U.S. GAAP does require a type of general price level accounting um, where we will see um, purchasing power gains or losses as monetary gains or losses on the income statement for those subsidiaries. Uh, most recently, we've, we've seen some co uh, companies that have subsidiaries in Venezuela reporting using hyperinflationary accounting for, for consolidating those mm. subsidiaries. Um, so we have some of that knowledge expertise in the U.S., some in other parts of the world. Um, as, a, as an educator, as a university professor teaching accounting, um, it's not a, inflation accounting is not a topic that we cover heavily yeah. if at all. That's interesting. You think it'll that'll be changing? Uh, I, I, I if 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 we hear from the market that they you know, that that that's something yeah. that needs to happen, you know, it's certainly doable. Um, it's uh, and and from conceptually, it's interesting, right? Because we bring in economics right. and, and finance. We companies operate the way they do business. How that all comes into play. Great. Those are my questions. I really appreciate you taking the time, and thanks very much. It's been very insightful. Well, thank you. I appreciated the opportunity. Terrific.